Hello, Brad here. Just to say we're super proud that the Friday 5pm podcast is sponsored by the Malt Miller, the UK's best home brew store. We use the Malt Miller for all of our homebrew experiments, as well as tapping them up for advice and binging on their awesome YouTube channel all the time. That's why whenever we release a homebrew video, we put a recipe kit live on the Malt Miller, so you can brew with the exact same amazing ingredients that we did. The same ingredients used by pro brewers. So alongside the Malt Miller's nitro-flushed hops, cold-stored yeast and milled-to-order malts, you can pick up recipe kits for our Five Points Best Bitter, Russian River West Coast IPA, and now the fastest beer in the world, a hazy session IPA that goes from grain to glass in less than 48 hours. Sign up to their newsletter at tinyurl.com forward slash maltmiller to get 5% off your first order. With the Malt Miller's amazing customer service and Johnny's 48-hour recipe, you could order the ingredients on a Monday and be drinking the beer by the weekend. Speaking of which, it's Friday. It's 5pm. So enjoy this week's Friday 5pm podcast. Good afternoon, Big Geeks. It's Friday, it's 5pm, and we're in the middle of a heat wave here in the UK. You wearing some shorts, Bradders? Mate. I cannot believe it. Yeah, I've got my shorts on, um, just about to crack a beer, sort of getting finished for the day. I'm just aware of how close that question was to, Brad, what are you wearing? Um. <laughs> <laughs> I've got some Jazzy Jeff uh, shorts that I'm I'm sporting right now, so um, they're, they're pretty cool. I'm not sure what my girlfriend thinks about them, but uh, no, actually, she doesn't mind them. But when I look at myself in the mirror, I do think I look you, like... You question it. Yeah, yeah, for like a 38-year-old man, they are sort of like 90s um, teenage boy uh, shorts. Are you, are you wearing board shorts, Brad? They're not, no, not in the style, <laughs> just in the kind of colour. So they're oh. like crazy colours. Of course um, they are. I'll, I'll wear them next time I see you, mate. How's that? I, I, mm-hmm. I look forward to it. I look forward for your to eyes. Maybe, maybe you you'll go. wear it tomorrow because we're, we're actually recording this on Thursday uh, to spoil it. spoil the magic of podcasting oh. because we're, we're off on a trip tomorrow. We're going to Bristol to visit Lost and Grounded as part of a project we're working on all around Malt. Yeah, man. Pretty exciting. It's a, it's a sort of, I feel, an underrepresented part of uh, the craft beer triangle. Would it be a triangle? Uh, like a sort of Bermuda triangle. Yeah, I don't, I don't know whether about... we count water... You know, water's water's important. It's deadly important, particularly you know, New England IPAs really, you know, give, given it its moment in the sun. But um, mm. water's pretty easy to control once you get your head around the maths. Whereas everything else is 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 more crafty. Yeah, so we are going to call it a triangle then. Let's All call right. it a triangle. Kenny. Okay, it's the third third corner of the beer triangle malt, <laughs> uh, and we're hoping to give it a lot more uh, a lot more love uh, over the next couple of months with some projects that we've got going on, including going to Lost and Grounded to learn all about a heritage grain variety that is being used yeah. to make a very delicious Bohemian lager. Yeah, man, that's going to be super cool. I mean, it's it's kind of something we we touched upon with Beak as well. Um, with them, with their their field of heritage um, stuff that they're, they're up to there. So I think it's, I think it's a thing that people are that they're, they're thinking about more. Yes. Yeah, so the focus of that video will be Malt and Brad's shorts. Um, it also means that we can't talk about the live show, which is actually happening tonight. But by the time you listen to this, happened yesterday. That's that. Ooh. I've gone cross-eyed. Um, Mind bending. But to those who uh, will slash have joined us, I hope. You will have had 
a lovely time. Uh, <laughs> so confusing. Uh, I hope in the future, when you listen to this, after you're hungover from this evening's thing, that you had a good time and that you, you'd got in some Rennies as well. Um <laughs> Because the, the maybe the acid burn might be a, a bit crazy. Yeah, the, uh, the the drinking order is is three beers, then a Pepto Bismol, and then three more beers. Um, that'll that's be. It. I'll be using that joke actually, thinking about it. See, this is good. We can we can brainstorm. You know, rather than going in blind, doing the podcast early means we can we can work uh, out all the jokes. You see? Do you know what? I just I just unpacked my box and 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 stuck it in the in the fridge, mm-hmm. and I thought. Ah, oh, they should have put some antacid in the box as well. <laughs> Maybe just just one. They could have bought a pack and just cut off like one little tab for everyone and and stuck it in there. That would have been a nice touch. That would have been nice. Um, or just a carton of milk. Well, actually, no, that'd be a bad idea. Um, <laughs> carton of milk. Ooh, carton of milk. Maybe some UHT milk. That would. Yeah, that, uh, that could last. Some of those little ones, which you don't, you don't really see those anymore. But the tiny little capsules. Yeah. Of like weird milk that probably. Have, have added towards destroying the planet with those little fucking weird oh definitely capsules. i've always thought that like you yeah. know like the little ketchup packets as well and just like oh, yeah, why bad, did we ever think that that was a sustainable thing to do i think i think what it is is people don't like the crusty stuff around the top of ketchup bottles like the glass bowls oh my god and and people are too stupid to allocate their own amount of ketchup from a squeezy bowl but also um, th- those packets were too small you needed like four of them you do need at least four i'm, of I'm them. not gonna sit here with yeah. you in your shorts trying to defend <laughs> shitty little sachets mate i'm of definitely not defending the sachets <laughs> i'm trying to think i've been to in america those sachets are bigger as well which makes more sense. Do you mean culturally still, bigger or just literally the sachets? They're bigger? literally, but they're literally bigger. They're literally bigger. They're yeah. literally bigger. I'm sure they are. I've been. I'm sure I've had them, and I've had them in a different format where they're half as wide, but they're more like you know you get those sort of um, German smoked sausage things that are in the sort of plastic orange plastic stuff. They're yeah. kind of more round like that. And I, I know the ones you out. mean. Yeah, they're longer and yeah. yeah. Kind Those of, are better. They're a better kind format. Kind of tampon wrapper shaped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a better format for dispensing. Because the other thing is, the critical point when you're like trying to like pinch the top open with the little um, raggedy edge, or the little triangly edge, you can, you, if you pull it too close to the edge, you you create a super tight stream of, of molten uh, ketchup that will, will, will like just project out like a super soaker and just like spray over everything. Yeah, it's a nightmare. Uh, and it might come out at a wonky angle as well and like get someone you didn't mean to. So you've got to be real careful with those things. You Dangerous. do. You do. Um, at this point, I should remind everyone that, yes, this is a beer podcast, but oh, yeah, of course, just, yeah. just for the eradication of doubt, fuck sachets. Um, let's get on to this week's video, shall we? Yeah, go um, on then. So th- this week's video was a big one for us. It was our first sort of long-term sponsorship deal that we've struck. It's taken a long time to put together. Apparently, you know, you really have to persuade people uh, <laughs> to put a bit of money behind me and Brad. Um, it's funny, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know why that could be. But uh, <laughs> after months of negotiation and working out, and ov- obviously, as you you may see in the video, negotiations around me buying a house, which I still, still haven't bought. Um 
we finally got this video live in which we built, I say we, Brad built, a, a basically a trolley for a brewery. Basically, yeah. It was the it was the porter brew, christened the porter brew, um, just because I thought it was funny that it sounded a bit like a portaloo, and hopefully uh, it smelt and tasted a lot better than a port Yeah, fing- fingers crossed. And hopefully it was cleaner. Yeah, so the porter brew... You know, it was it was kind of a. I guess it's quite a simple idea, but we didn't really know if it was going to work. I mean, we we assumed that the weight of a fully kitted out brewery with all the vessels kind of filled up uh, with mash and everything was was going to be able to be held on on the crate. But you know, because obviously they they can ship huge amounts of of weight on the top, but the the sort of distribution of the weight. On the individual boards, we were unsure of, so it was a, it was quite a lot of trial and error, but um, it worked out amazingly well. And uh, you know, it was it wasn't like a super crazy hard thing to build. Anyone can do it, um, and obviously you could do it if you had a lot less kit than we've got. Um, but yeah, it was it was a cheap thing to do apart from the kit, obviously. Um, and I think it was it was super fun, and I, I really enjoy building stuff. Um, so hopefully we're going to do a bit more of that on the channel. Yeah, I mean, well, we, so we've got to make some adaptations to the porter brew already. So eventually we'll we'll raise um, raise the hot liquor tank so that it can sort of filter straight down into the grandfather, which was. Um, I think, uh, yeah, Nine Mile Creek Brewing made a comment about that. We're definitely going to do that, but we've got a, a pretty cool plan about how we're going to do that. So that'll be a little build. And then also we started talking as we were serving the beer, um, which I won't spoil whether it worked out really well or not. But as we were serving it, we started to think about how we could also add a dispense unit to the porter brew that would keep the beer cold um and so that we could you know have a mobile bar as well that's attached to it um yeah man which i think would be I, the final the final thing missing from this that's all it. In one. i've i've been watching many sort of uh keza kegerator sort of builds uh trying to work out what we could do to make something incredible um but yeah i mean that's a whole other thing I, I really enjoy that kind of stuff and um you know, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of potential DIY stuff we can do around home brewing that just kind of elevates whatever equipment you've got um, and, and the sort of drinking experience. Uh, so it's something I'm I'm very excited that we're we're getting into. Yeah, and of course you should be excited about the beer as well because um, next week is the brew day when uh, Seb and my recipe is is put the, to the test. Not everything goes to plan. There is an issue with the fact that it's mobile at one point, um, so so enjoy that. But otherwise, uh, it, it was a bit of a success. Should we dive into the comments, brothers? Yeah, man, let's do it. Um, so, um, what, what do you want to go first? Okay, so talking about sort of uh, pimping our ride. Uh, or our porter brew we had a great comment from kyle mcwilliam who said one fermenter that'll never do you should move the hot side gear to a new half pallet hot side cart and add another two fermenters and turn the existing cart into a cold side cart haha just kidding kind of cheers guys love the channel and the podcast and have learned tons from all of the content you produce thanks kyle um, yeah, man. Like we, we, we obviously we just sort of said about uh, how we could potentially expand the porter brew 
Um, and like the, the, the amazing thing about the grandfather glycol, uh, chiller is that that's got four outputs on it. Um, so we, we could have up to four fermenters on the go. Um, you know, if we wanted to, so we could almost make a like pallet crate train of, you know, a cold side, a hot side, a kegerator. <laughs> <laughs> could have a it whole sort of crazy. snake coming out the back yeah. with more and more yeah i mean yeah, yeah definitely we'll have, we'll have a disco one which got like a disco dance floor on a pallet we could have uh one that's uh maybe like a barbecue grill zone pallet Ooh, yeah barbecue hot edition tub pallet smoker you know yeah. come on man we could do all sorts with this I um I I love the phrase half pallet hot sidecar. It sounds like a Mogwai song title, um, yeah, yeah. but I think I I I think there's something to be said for a, a second in the in the train um, with four fermenters on it. Somebody also commented that we should put a, like a a bike on the front of it so it's truly mobile and we can drive it down the street. But I reckon the first police car that goes by is gonna gonna put pay to that. Um, well, the wheels the wheels. I mean, they were great industrial wheels, but they're too small. Yeah. You would need to like have much, much bigger wheels to go along a bike. Otherwise, it would just get jangly, jingle, jangle to fuck. But then, you know, if my Yaris can make it over several fields of Sussex, I reckon the Porterbrew could maybe do a couple of miles in Walthamstow. This summer, I'm going to be hosting talks at the Manchester, Bristol and London Craft Beer Festivals, giving festival goers the chance to attend tutored tastings, rare beer pours, meet the brewers and even guided tours of the bars. These three festivals are the highlights of my events calendar, featuring some of the world's best breweries with delicious restaurant pop-ups, great music and a really welcoming party atmosphere. It's the third year I've been hosting the We Are Beer Tastings table, but for the first time I'm delighted to offer all of our listeners, viewers and Patreons £5 off a ticket when you use the code CBC5. Just hit the link in the description to buy. See you there. Oh, easy, easy. <laughs> the way we've built it, mate, it's, you know, nothing could go wrong. <laughs> um, yeah, and then we got, a, we got a lovely comment from Andy Higginbottom, which was actually a reply to Alex, uh, French guy cooking, who dropped by, as I thought he might, because we were building something, and that's, that's his jam. Uh, so Alex said that it was, it was really exciting, he was looking forward to the next episode. Um, and Andy chipped in to say, I, I discovered you guys when researching the start of my homebrewing journey last year. So for you to bring real focus onto it is great. Thank you for making homebrew accessible and unpretentious. Um, which, yeah, I think that's, I like to think that's what we do. Although there was a moment in this week's video where <laughs> I even edited it down by about two minutes, but there was a lot of water chemistry chat. And I don't think that even the nerdiest homebrew videos on YouTube need too much water chemistry chat. No. Um, well, it's not in the it's not in the the craft beer triangle, the homebrew. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we've just ignored water now, apparently. Um, so yeah, I mean, we will do content around water chemistry, but um, I don't know. We'll find an interesting way of doing it. We'll do it in a waterfall in in Iceland or something. Well, that's it, isn't it? Despite being incredibly wet, it is quite a dry topic <laughs> of conversation. Strong, Bradley. Strong. Hey. 
Um, yeah, so thank you for all the comments on the video, and I'm really glad that you guys enjoyed it. Obviously, it's really nerve-wracking when you put sponsored content live. You don't know whether you're going to miss the mark or whether people are going to assume that you're completely compromised. But, you know, we've been using the Grainfather for five years already. We love the stuff, and we're really excited about the big plans that we have for this. This was this was almost a, a stalling tactic, these first few videos, while my house gets sorted. And we've got some big plans and some amazing breweries that we're going to be working with on on collaborations like proper as we've said proper hype hype style um and going to the breweries that are famous for particular styles and, and getting the best from them so yeah uh thanks for all of your support with that um we've got we've got an in-depth absolutely killer question for this week Ooh, so although stuff. it's a little bit early in the podcast i think we've got to dig in uh to to the question to end all questions <laughs> from Matisse. Hi guys, it's Matt here from the Netherlands. To make up for your lack of a question in the previous podcast, I actually have two questions for you this week. A couple of weeks ago you spoke about uh, Belgium and its culture surrounding classware. It made me feel really spoiled because when I'm in a bar and a uh, beer is not served in its corresponding glass, I feel quite disappointed. This brings me to my first question. It seems that in uh, modern craft brewing, the classical Belgian styles like doubles and triples aren't really as popular. Why do you think this is? And my second question concerns a craft brewer from the Netherlands, which was taken over by a macro brewer in uh, in last week. Um, what's your stance on this? Uh, would you stop drinking their beer to uh, not support big beer or uh, would you keep on drinking their beer? Love your work. Uh, cheers. Love and beer. So thank you for your question, Matisse. Um, your first question was around why classic Belgian styles like double and triple are not that popular among modern craft brewers. Um, from my perspective, my answer would be that they are. They're wildly popular. Most um, most brewers absolutely love classic Belgian styles. The issue is that the drinkers don't, yeah, uh, and that means that it's incredibly yeah, exactly. And you know, you could, and and I'm being genuine here. You could sell two or three New England IPAs in the time that it even takes you to make a triple that then won't sell very quickly. So that that's sort of the commercial reality of it. And it's a real shame. And I should say, you know, a huge shout out to breweries like Lost and Grounded, who we're going to tomorrow, like Unity Brewing, like um, uh, Six Degrees Up North. You know, these breweries that focus entirely on Belgian beer because it, it's not easy to build a business that way. Why, why do you think, Bradley, that the drinkers don't love these styles? Um, I think that they, they're kind of a harder sell, a lot of them, because they're, they're pretty bloody strong for a start, and they're going to make you fall off your chair if you drink too much of them, so... Not yeah, but double IPAs sessional. are wildly popular. They are wildly popular. I think people, there's there's just something about, you know, we always talk about, we always going to be the year of lager or whatever, and no, no, it's the year of IPA again. Um, there's just something that captivates every drinker pretty much about IPA. Um, you just sort of say those three letters and people are kind of sold. Um, I don't know. It's yeah, weird, which has sort of it? led to a bleed of lots of styles that definitely aren't IPAs being called IPAs. Yeah, Because, it, yeah. you know, you, you stick those three letters on it and it, it's going to sell significantly better than if you just put, um, you know, like hoppy Belgian ale. Nah, call it a Belgian IPA. 
That's it. Even though there's there's no historical lineage. Probably the hops are wrong, the yeast is wrong, the malt bill's wrong. It's got nothing to do with British or American IPA. It's a Belgian beer with extra hops. But, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it probably is hops. You know, the whole of the craft beer movement was built off of these American hops. Um, and, and drinkers struggle to move on past that. And I think that maybe, you know, if, if, if New England IPA hadn't come along and, and changed the game again and just kept us drinking IPA, maybe as people started to tire of West Coast IPA, we might have moved to more wider wider styles, maybe more Belgian yeast-forward stuff, or lager would have truly had its year in the sun or something. But New England IPA sort of sent us off on a different timeline. And I love it, because I love those styles. But it really hurts when I think about, you know, all the businesses that are making these amazing beers um, that just aren't getting the love that, that they really deserve. And on the Craft Beer Channel, we try to put as much effort into uh, promoting all styles because, you know, there's no way I could do what I do or Brad could do what what he does um, if we were only drinking IPA every day. We'd have got sick of it years and years and years ago. Um, and I, I think the true the, the same is true for drinkers. Like, eventually they will tire of just drinking IPA. And the reason it doesn't feel like that is because new people are coming in but lots of people have been into craft beer for a couple of years and starting to to find other stuff. That was um, that was kind of be kind of going to be my point actually. I was waiting for you to finish, but I think the reason why it's always year of the IPA whatever kind of flavor that it might be is because there are always so many newbies that are coming along and it's the first sort of stop on the the bus of craft beer. Um you know, people might fall by the wayside and, you know, go off on their separate ways. Or they might just be like, I like this IPA. I don't want to, I don't want to try anything else. I'm going to stick with this. I'm comfortable at my station. Um, so you're always going to have that new influx, the people that are happy with that. They just love it. And they're not, you know, not, you know, the most sort of explorative uh, of of people, you're going to kind of get that stuff, and then you're going to get the people that have been doing it for a lot longer, and um, you know they they kind of want to progress and they want to try different things and they want to expand their horizons, um, and that's where you know you you might go down a a kind of Belgium adventure or or, or other adventures, um, but I think yeah, that's that's kind of it, right? And then what was what was the other part of the question? Yeah, so the second question was um, his favourite Dutch craft brewery was uh, was bought out by a macro brewery uh, last week. Um, so he's asking, would you stop drinking the beer of such a brewery um, or continue as if nothing happened? Mm, it's an interesting one, isn't it? I think he said if the beer didn't change, right? Sorry, I keep somebody keeps calling me. Um, oh, yeah. okay. So it keeps going beeping in my ear. Um, say Say that again. I think I think he said that was if the beer didn't change, right? Which kind of I guess that that may, that's a bit of an added factor. Um, you know, if the beer doesn't change, uh, and you absolutely love it, but obviously we we are we are quite staunchly, um, you know, independent and, and and supporting small business with with our focus. So, um, well, I mean, in in terms of what we promote on the channel, our view is that we should be supporting the people that need supporting, yeah. so need or deserve supporting. So the people who are doing interesting things, making amazing beer, 
helping out in communities supporting communities building communities and and those are the small people that don't have marketing budgets to really say hey look we're doing something great here so we've always tried to focus on the much smaller breweries unless there's a beer made by a big brewery that you know is kind of um culturally important so things like bourbon county stout um you know if you'd have asked me this two or three years ago i'd have said stop drinking it you know support small independent business but you know, in the last couple of years, I've sort of shifted my personal view on what I drink towards support ethical breweries. Um, and often that does mean supporting the small and independents. But anybody who's looking at what's happening in the craft beer industry at the moment with the reckoning around sexism and sexual harassment and sexual assault knows that just because you're small and independent, it does not mean you're ethical. Um, in fact, in many ways, it's used as a smokescreen to hide the fact that you're, you know, abusing employment rights. You don't have HR processes in place to deal with complaints when you've got bad actors within your business. Um, and you're literally, you know, hiding. You're going, like, you know, this can't be true. We're small and we're all nice guys here. And they mostly are guys. Um, so my personal, in terms of what I drink now, has shifted towards ethical. And that means that there are some pretty big breweries that I happily drink from. Um, you know, I still we still drink Fuller's. We still drink. Um, uh, we still talk all the time about Pilsner Raquel. Um, but there there is no way in hell I would ever purchase a Heineken product. Yeah. Um, you know, they're they're an awful company. Um, and you only have to Google the words Heineken and controversies to just be inundated with evidence as to why we should never touch that company as, as ethical consumers. Um, but equally, you know, I'll never drink a founder's beer again. Um, well, actually, technically they are now macro-owned, but whether they were or they weren't, I wouldn't because of the the actions of the owners and, and of many of the people in that business. Um, unless huge changes are made at Modern Times, I wouldn't touch a Modern Times beer right now. Um, so in answer to your question, Matt, I think... You've got to look at the ethics of that company, not necessarily just the ownership, and make a personal decision as to whether you can you can still support them. I think it's kind of unhelpful, this idea of macro bad, small good. A, because it means you're not supporting bigger companies that might be good, and B, it means you might be supporting small companies that not, aren't necessarily good. Um, so, it, you know, it, it takes more research and more time, but the best way to be an ethical drinker is to know all the facts and not make assumptions based on ownership. Yeah, man, I'm pretty much in agreement with what you just said there, to be honest. Um, I just hope that Pilsner Urkel never do anything shady because <laughs> that will ruin me. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I'm not aware of anything. And, you know, one of these things is and why we should never judge people for drinking certain beers is that we just we just don't know. So we can only act on the information we have. So, you know, if you guys find out a brewery's done something bad, email us and we'll have a look at it and see if we need to, you know, never support them again. Um, and that's the best way to spread information and to make ethical decisions by educating each other. So, um, yeah, fingers crossed the brands we love never do it. But, you know, we've all been shocked by the accusations against Marble um, of late. And, you know, the night before that broke, I was on a live stream with Cloudwater singing their praises. Um and you know, I, I just can't feel comfortable doing that until we hear the the full story and everything's <laughs> everything's resolved. So I I learned quite a hard lesson there that you can love a brewery one day um, and not know what to say about them the next, and it's it's a bit rough. But you know, craft beer I think is having a bit of an identity crisis anyway at the moment because 
you know, in many countries, there is a really strong craft beer scene and, and the enemy really shouldn't just be big brewers. You know, it's not just big bad brewers causing issues. It's politicians, it's climate change and all these other things that, that we should unify against as much as, as anything else. Um, so, yeah, Matt, do the info, do, do the research uh, and just interpret the information to, to your personal sort of boundaries, I guess. Um, so yeah thank you very much for that question thank you everybody for listening this week I hope you will have enjoyed our live show last night Um, (laughs) on Wednesday we have the second episode of the Porter Brew Build and Brew Day with the Amazing Wildcard Uh, and then we're back to some um, some brewery features around the country that I've been travelling to and and Brad's been joining me on a couple of them Um, as, as I wrap up my book. So there's some really cool breweries coming up and some hop sniffing with Cloudwater, which is going to be a great video as well. So lots of cool stuff is coming on top of hopefully a long, fruitful and utterly ridiculous relationship with Grainfather. All the best, guys. Love and beer. Bubble and Friday 5pm podcasts are brought to you by the nerds behind YouTube's Craft Beer channel. You can watch over 400 mini documentaries at youtube.com slash the craft beer channel. And if you love what we do, support us via Patreon and get access to merchandise and our amazing Discord forum, a positive and welcoming space for everyone who loves beer, food and homebrewing. Love and beer.